You're listening to the AntsMarching.org podcast, the new brand of AM radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to episode 62 of the AntsMarching.org podcast. I am Matt, and I'm here, as always, with Jake and Joe. Uh, we have a little power situation north of Seattle, as in it's uh, out right now because uh, the infrastructure here in this lovely area is so great. So, no power, and that means Joe is taking over recording duties, so if it sounds poorly, it's all Joe. Yeah, it's definitely my fault. And if, if this podcast never sees the day of light, then Periscopers, you got the, uh, the exclusive because I didn't record it appropriately. <laughs> well, we were setting it up. Uh, the power blinked a little bit, you know, probably half hour ago, maybe an hour ago. And I, I said, well, it came right back, so figured I was okay. And then we were just setting this up, and sure enough, um, power went out again. So anyway, how are your guys' afternoons going? Um, I haven't had any power issues, so I guess uh, one up in, the, in that column. Uh, Jake, how's your day going? Well, I've been building... Um... Uh, furniture from Ikea all day long. So this is a, a nice welcome break after building a, a chair and a gigantic dresser already with a bunch more to go. How much blood so, has been spilt? You know, surprisingly none yet, but the day ain't over yet. We still have things to build. And usually it's You not mean assemble. A, a Assembling. N- no, I, I'm building from scratch. <laughs> Because really, you don't have to follow those instructions. They're, that's like a menu. You know, a menu is just sort of like to guide you in the right direction. You can order whatever you want. It's the same thing with this stuff. You can build it any way you want. There's suggestions. I'm, I, I'm, my office has an Ikea desk. Um, I think it's called like the Galant or something. Um, and it's really nice, except I got a second hand off Craigslist. And uh, the experience was everything that Craigslist promised and more. I mean, I came home and basically dipped the thing in turpentine before I set it up in the office. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do friends you, don't let friends use Craigslist. What Oof. you drinking over there? Oh, me? Yeah. Uh, okay, so I'm drinking a it's a, a 2015 release, Fremont Brewing, so from Seattle. Uh, oh. Kentucky Dark Star, which is a bourbon barrel-aged oatmeal stout, and it is the coffee edition. So it's wonderful. It's, uh, let's see, 14.5% alcohol by volume. Um, it's, it's actually sought after by, by beer nerds all throughout the country. So um, if you haven't had the luck of having it, um, try, to, try to chase it down next, uh, next fall. Uh, it's outstanding. So that's, I mean, that's what I'm enjoying right now. How about you? Jake? Uh, I am, uh, again, staying with the local stuff. I went over to Hourglass, which is located in Castleberry, Florida, right outside Orlando. And I am drinking La Fille Draghi, which is a uh, Belgian Christmas ale aged in rum barrels. So I'm going with the whole age theme, just like Matt's doing. This is a 9% alcohol, and it is absolutely delicious. Just you're definitely going with the age theme, Jake. <laughs> keep it on, keep it on, uh, on topic. That sounds disgusting, by the way. I would, I don't think is, I would like that at all. It is unbelievably good. I was a little leery on it, um, but it is tasty. A little bit, um, a little bit of a thickness to it, almost like a syrupy molasses taste to it. Hmm. Um, it I... is outstanding, and the bottle is really cool. I should take a picture and tweet it. Um, 
That's exactly that does, that does sound good. That's exactly why I wouldn't like it. I am just rocking a. Since Matt last time, you complained that I wasn't drinking any of my cheap wine. I've pulled it out for you. It is hey some, now. some Chardonnay from the Santa Barbara County, uh, a bon Clamat, I guess maybe. Um, 2009. We'll see how it goes. Give it a shot. So, do you like? Like, uh, I know I know this is not a drinking show, and I will kind of. But uh, do, yeah. do, what do you think? Are you are you a Chardonnay fan typically? Um, I mean, I, really for whites, I only really only drink like three different types of whites. So, um, yeah, I like That's whites because I don't stain my teeth. That's about the the main. I like the taste of reds better. But when I don't want freaking red teeth for the rest of the day, I'll go with some white wine. Oh shoot! I meant to tell you this, Joe. There's this unbelievable thing. It helps out every time. It's called. You might want to write this down. It's called a toothbrush it's all one word toothbrush and you take this thing called toothpaste you place it on top of the toothbrush a little bit of water put it in your mouth you're not gonna believe this all the red's gone doesn't work for me uh i asked the question initially good point though jake um i'm not a fan of chardonnay i find it they're gonna say you're not a fan of toothbrushes no that's you you got that locked on lockdown Well, yeah. So Chardonnay, and I, I still don't know how you capture such a, a robust pour sound, but you did it again. So the, the key is just, like I said, putting the bottle as high in the air as you can possibly reach and then just letting it spill all over the microphone. That's, that's, that's how you do it. That's true. That is true. That's a, that's a nice type action going on, Jake. It wouldn't be, wouldn't be a podcast if something in the background wasn't abundantly clear. Well, you know, I'm just trying to give you a little hint if you look at the agenda on something we can actually oh. talk about. Because as you know, we have absolutely nothing to talk about today. I didn't still I didn't think IBM still sold those seventy style keyboards. You know what? But Screw you. I'm, I'm going outside. You can listen to the damn birds chirp all you want, and I'm fired open this freaking cigar because I'm sick of it. Wow. That's all there is to it. Well, here's outside. a here's a novel idea, Jake. If you had something to talk about, why don't you just bring it up? Oh, okay. I'll do that. Um, hey, guys, let's talk a little bit about that uh, cameo that Dave made in that music video. Matt, what did you think of it? You're, you're <laughs> going to have to repeat that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Let me try. Joe, how did you like Dave's cameo in that music video? You're going to have to repeat that. Uh, okay, so maybe I should have typed it in there. Hang on. Let me go outside with the birds so you can hear all the birds chirping away and all the traffic going. Uh, as you well know, if you follow Ants Marching's Twitter, which I'm sure you do, uh, Dave Matthews had a cameo in a video. And um, when we say cameo, we mean literally he had a cameo in a video of Dave sitting there wearing a T-shirt that says cameo and in the middle of this music video. We tweeted it out uh, a couple days ago. It was a band whose name I've already forgotten. I'm trying to double check and see what the name of it is. Don't worry, I got this. You guys just sit there. So you're all full of detail. Yes. So the name of the band is... The girl was in the shins. I know that. Her... The name of the band is... Wait for it. Here we go. Deep Sea Diver. I... You know what? I, I obviously follow our Twitter. I don't recall that, that tweet at all. So I'm, I'm I completely... Just, I'm like on now. the Twitter page as we're talking, looking for this tweet, and I cannot... And I see nothing. There was a link for the, from the video directly to it and everything. Nope. 
You know what? Good, I may good work, I Jake. may ha- I may have you guys blocked, maybe that's why. <laughs> this tweet did not make it out. So fill us in since we have no idea what you're talking about and there appears to be no record of it either. There is a band called Deep Sea Diver and apparently Dave is um, somehow uh, friendly with them and he literally does a cameo in the video and it is a cameo of him sitting in a chair. He opens up his shirt to reveal a t-shirt that says cameo across it and he just sits there, Dave in all his glory. For how long? About four seconds, give or take. Is he rocking the beard? He is rocking the beard. He, um, uh, some people said that um, he looked like he was um, in his uh, more dad mode than his concert mode. What does that mean? I think mean? that's what a nice exactly way of saying he looked. I think people thought he looked a little heavy. Oh. So I, I'm not one to judge, to be honest with you. So I just said whatever. He can. He can do that in the off season. It's fine. It happens to the best of us. What Not did like you, you think Matt, of? What did you think of pounds. the song? Um, I actually like the song. That's the first time I'd ever heard of Deep Sea Diver. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, thought it was a, a a bit neat, kind of aggressive, but I kind of like stuff like that. The video accentuates the vibrant song's powerful lyrics and buoyant rhythm. Yeah, you'd say that. According to the web, that's what it said. Uh, uh, Uh-oh, I just heard some sirens, and on my end, not yours, Jake. Oh, wow. What's that mean? Hang on. Well, if the power's going to go out, at least there should be some kind of medical emergency. Make it it worth it, you know? I'm having a little tatuaje to go along with my uh, beer. You're going to have to fill people in on what that is. That is a... uh, a nice cigar rolled by a guy named, uh, well, sold by a company called Tatuaje, which Pete is Johnson. Pete Johnson. Correct. Pete Johnson's friend. Actually, um, our mutual friend, Jason, who you guys know, is is very good friends with Pete Johnson. Um, yep. And um, he makes a great cigar. They're all rolled by a guy named uh, Pepin Garcia, Pepin or his son Jaime, which is uh, Jamie in English, uh, roll all their cigars. And they just make a really, really nice blend if you're into a, a cigar, I might recommend a Tatuaje. Um, they're kind of smooth. Some of them are pretty powerful, so it's not something you can just kind of jump into. Just kind yeah. of ease your I way into, into it. They're um, their little monsters that they release around uh, Halloween every year. Yes. And I, I got a couple of boxes of those that are the smaller versions of some of their larger sticks, and I really enjoy those too. They're very good. The Probably the strongest cigar I ever had in my life was actually from them, which was one called The Mummy. Um, which I know oh, yeah. some people liked um, and just had no problems with it. But for me, I mean, it just kicked the living crap out of me. It took me three sittings to get through it because it was just, I mean, powerfully strong. I felt like invading Mississippi halfway through it. That's a, it's a, it, for me, it's a lousy buzz. If I, especially if I have a semi-empty stomach um, and I smoke a full cigar, um, oh boy, it really can make me kind of nauseous. And I can't wait to get rid of that sickness when it happens. So I start pounding water. Absolutely. The uh, the key to smoking cigars is you really have to have something in your stomach, which is why there's really no thin cigar smokers. <laughs> That's a good point. It's it's true. It really is. But yeah, I, in fact, I, I, I just ate, thankfully, because as you know, I've been building all day, not following instructions, but building. So I just wolfed down an orange from my backyard. So. That's one of the benefits of having living in Florida is having an orange tree and just run out there and grabbing one. 
So do we have any other um, non-existent tweets to talk about? <laughs> Probably well, a ton of is, them. There, Infinite amount. <laughs> there is something that, that I think people have been, have been anticipating that hasn't popped up yet, um, and that's the warehouse disk. Um, just looking at the last four years, all the announcements have been made in February. I think one of the last four years was made in very early March, like around the second or third. So that hasn't been announced yet. Um, which is a little bit interesting. Um, you know, of course, it's a 710 now, depending on how long you've been uh, in the warehouse. If you've been in for more than three years, you get 10 tracks. So that hasn't popped out yet. I, I would guess it's going to happen, you know, the way things usually go. We talk about it, and by the time we put the podcast up, it's already been announced. So we'll see. Uh, that's something to look forward to on the horizon. Um, I think that's going to be the next thing that gets announced, unless there's something we don't know about. Let's hope that that holds true. Let's hope that it does come out now that you mentioned on the podcast. That'd be great. I mean, we'll we'll get to hear about it, and then we'll have to wait uh, six months until we actually get get to see it or hear it. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I wonder um, just the way things have gone. Well, not really the way things have gone, but the first two releases um, kind of have an old school feel to it. So I wonder if that's going to carry on into the warehouse disc, or if that's just something separate. No, it would be nice. It, it would be cool to hear, you know, some kind of older stuff. It would be. Some different stuff. So yeah, it's just, just a thought. I mean, I don't really have any. There's nothing I can think of off the top of my head that goes, oh, man, I wish that was on the warehouse disc. But right. I, I'm sure there's something. Is there, I mean, is there anything for you, Joe, that makes you say, you know what song I'd really like to hear? Oh, I thought you were going to keep going. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Jeez, um, what would I really like to hear? I mean, I, I like the ones that are like not real for them to do. I like all the different guest appearances that kind of are different. Um, but those seem to be the ones that are harder for them to get released. Um, so I, I, that, that would, that would be my ideal if it was like almost like a warehouse five of, uh, or warehouse, uh, whatever you want to call it, seven ten, um, with just all different guest appearances, songs that had guests on them. How about you, Maddie? Uh, no, Nothing yes. Perfect. Well, you know, they did that a few years ago. That, If you recall, that was the um, infamous Angel Disc. Do you remember that way back in the day? That was probably about 12 years ago. That was in the infancy of Ants. When they, uh, Angel Disc? I don't remember Angel Disc. They, they released a 5-8, and one of the songs was Angel. Okay. Um, yeah. and, and in case you like Angel and you're listening to this, it's fine. It's okay. We're not going to bad math yet it, it's not a very good song in 99 percent of the people's opinion but that's fine if you like angel it's okay um but it had a guest on it and you know i think it was eric krasna was guesting on it um and he played a mean guitar on it i think that disc had a lot of guests on it but people just were up in arms oh my god i can't believe they re- released angel how could they do that this is horrible but if you look at the rest of the disc it's actually really really good that's the one that has like captain on it um, I think the song Jane likes is on that. It's it's actually a really really solid disc. The problem um, is back then. Yeah, well, the back then there was so fewer songs on the disc, right? It was what only yeah five eight. That's warehouse five, right? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, when you only get five songs and then one of them is Angel, yeah, it's gonna gonna piss people off. You're getting ten songs and one of them's Angel, probably less less butthurt about it. So you're predicting Angel yeah, will be on this release. 
Yeah, when you're riding 20% angel, it's not a good ratio. No. <laughs> that's that's a good that's a good point. So I mean, you know, it's it's funny though, but I mean it's sort of like with shows. I mean, just like in a show, you can hear one song that you absolutely detest and it can ruin the whole night. The same thing could happen for a, a release like that. You know, you could hear a song and just be like, "Oh my god, Angel, seriously? Why would you do that?" Mm-hmm. But, okay. And it happens. So now two things are going to happen. We're going to get the announcement of the warehouse disc because we've talked about it on the pod, and we're going to get an angel on the disc, thanks to you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's going to be our new hashtag, free angel. Free angel. Oh. <laughs> Nobody's going to want it. But yeah, it's not, not a lot happening in the DMV yeah. world uh, in the past week. I mean, there was, um, there was some sad news, though. Um, do you have details on that in a non-existent tweet, Jake? Uh, yeah, actually, um, very, very unfortunate. Uh, a person that whose name you probably didn't know, his name is Chris Hooper. He was actually the agent for the band, um, and he does what an agent does in, in, in that same sense of like a, a professional athlete agent. Think of it sort of like along those lines. Um, he uh, tragically passed away. Um, he was rather young. I believe he was 53. Um so it's just just terrible. And in fact, um, if you watch ESPN Sports Center, actually had a little clip of him um, on their sportscast uh, about two weeks ago because um, his son actually is a basketball player at the University of Oakland, which is um, in Detroit. Um, and he actually was able to attend his his son's game. His son's a pretty good player for him too, um, and was able to see his son play. And, and tragically, he passed away a couple of days after that. So condolences to to his family uh, and friends because that, that's just a tragic loss and way too young. I, I, I wasn't uh, familiar with Chris. I don't think I've ever met Chris. I think it was, he was battling cancer. If uh, according to, I think what they that they wrote. And I think Dave came out uh, and uh, did provided a little, um, a couple sentences, I think uh, either on the, um, on the website and via Twitter just to uh, kind of say how good of a man he was. And he's been involved with the band from the very beginning, right? Yeah, really. I, if it wasn't 1993, it was very early in 1994 when he came aboard. And he actually uh, represented Fish as well. So he had a lot of um, uh, uh, relations with Red Light Management, which is the, the parent company of Dave Matthews Band and Fish and a bunch of other people as well. Um so he he represented a lot of those people and and he was somebody you know you you may have seen him not not you personally Joe but you people listening may have actually run into him at shows he went to shows he walked around at shows he worked the crowd um, he he would go into the pit and walk around so it's just you know it, it wasn't uncommon to see him around at things like that um, back before before the illness really really got into him so uh, you know like I said it's just it's just unfortunate really you know death sucks. Really? Yeah, I mean, he was part yeah, of Yeah, cancer. Cancer does as well. Yes. Uh, yeah. He was part of I mean, he, he started, I think, with the DMB and, and Fish, and then it grew into a major company, much like a lot of the businesses DMB, you know, helped grow, like Music Today and, and others that kind of expanded. But yeah, Dave's actual um, quote was, uh, Chip could shine a light on the best things about a person. He always made me feel worthwhile. He always made me want to do more and work harder and believe that you could. He has one of the most generous people I've ever known. I think he made the world a better place. Dave Matthews. That's high praise. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. 
Yeah, he was he was a good guy. I mean, I I, I met him once. Um, and he was just, he was very pleasant to me. Didn't need to be. Um, just was just nice. You know, sometimes you just meet people and they're nice because that's the way they are, and that's what he was. Um, you know how sometimes you'll meet. Um, I'm not saying necessarily that he's famous, but sometimes you'll meet a, a famous person, and and you could just kind of tell what kind of person they are just by the way they interact with you. Mm-hmm. Just the the pleasantness that they that they um, that they convey to you, and things like that. I remember just things that you know when you're nice to somebody that you don't have to be nice to. That's the thing I remember. I like it. Very good. Yes. Of of all the weird things, the sidebar because we have nothing else to talk about. I will never forget that I met Boomer Esiason in 1987. So I think that was before you guys were born. Um. I met him in 1987, so I was like 30, right, 40, something like that. But he was talking to a friend of his, and he was just kind of chatting. I was just kind of sitting there waiting for him to get done. And he got done chatting, and he said, wow, you know, I really appreciate you. You know, I was an old friend of mine that he was my offensive lineman at Maryland. And he turned and talked to me for five minutes, literally five minutes, about just talking about the Bengals and stuff like that. And I never forgot that. I always remembered. I was like, you know, he's a good guy. That's That tells me something about Boomer Esiason. So. He didn't talk about the Jets? No, this is pre-Jets. This is 1987. Oh, 87. Okay, my bad. Yeah, so this is actually – the, 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 the way the conversation ended, I will never forget because the Bengals were absolutely horrible in 1987. They were dreadful. And, and I said to him, just as we were kind of getting done, I said, you know, you're not going to believe this, but I really, really like the way you guys have your team. You have good receivers. You can throw the ball over the place. I mean, I think you guys are a Super Bowl team. And he looked at me, he laughed. He's like, he's like, look, kid, I appreciate you, but you don't have to blow any smoke up my ass, really. I mean, we don't have a freaking chance. And, and the next year, they went to the Super Bowl. So that's like my my crowning achievement pick in my life. That and I was going and, to I was going to say that kind of hyperbole matches up with your opinion on time bomb as well. <laughs> to bring the the circle back around to the to the DMB topic, you're about as full of it on that as you were on time bomb. I, I, you know what? I will, I will always, always, always defend Time Bomb Studio. And the only difference is Time Bomb didn't make any kind of Super Bowl. <laughs> well, look, Time Bomb, Time Bomb album is good. Time Bomb Live, there's probably one good version. It just never, it never clicked. But it happens, you know. People forget now. Now, obviously, people don't, you know, people nowadays don't realize that in the early days of the band. They didn't have an album. I'm talking like 91 to 93. They just played songs over and over again until they got it right. Do you know what song consistently was wrong? Consist- every single time they played it, they screwed it up. Every single time. One um, Sweet uh, you're World. You're talking 91 to 93? Yeah. One Sweet World, they screwed up every single time. They never got the time change right. You can go grab any random show from 1992 and listen to One Sweet World, and you're going to hear a screw-up because they always messed it up. So it mm. takes time. you know. And, and One Sweet's a classic. I mean, who wouldn't want to hear that live? It's a great song. Are they ever they, going to bring back that intro? I, I wish. I really wish. Yeah, I, I wish. What happened? I think uh, when I talk to people that are, aren't kind of familiar with what the band is, I think that One Sweet World is a great example of how dmb made it because dave wrote these kind of crunchy lyrics you know sort of folky lyrics about you know the world and this and that and save it and planets and you know all that crap and 
just listen to Carter on the drums on that thing. Because what Carter does on the drums is illegal in 16 countries. I mean, he just absolutely tears it apart. And that's the combination. That's what made Dave Matthews Band what they were. By taking Dave's voice and taking the rest of the band and their just incredible talent and putting them together. That's why I fell in, that's why I fell in love with it. Exactly. That's what... Back in back in the day, again, back before you guys were born in the early 90s, when I used to see the band in clubs, um, that was the thing that kind of got you in. It was the beat. When you went and saw a band play, you heard the beat. You heard the music because, you you know, you couldn't catch all the lyrics. You might hear something while you're, you know, listening to the show. But, I mean, you know, you're, you're drinking Dollar Bud Dries at the time. So, you know, you're not really following along everything. But that's what kind of got you into it. And then as 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 they allow taping, you might get a tape of that show and listen to it like, wow, you know, that's, that's really good. Wow. This dancing Nancy's has a good beat, but man, listen to the lyrics. This is unbelievable. And I, I truly think that's what separated them from a lot of very good bands, not only in Charlottesville, but all around the South where they toured mm-hmm. is just that ability to, to meld those two things together. Agree. Yeah, I'm like I'm sitting here like a, a small child being rocked to sleep by a lullaby after that story, Jake. That was nice. Why, why thank you. Thank you very much. I could feel like a mofo. <laughs> that was good. Well, do you guys want to hear what do you think, um, Joe? Do you want to do Joe do you want to do Joe's song series? I don't know what Joe's song series is. I know what the Ants song series is. Brought to you apart by Ant's Joe. Song series featuring <laughs> Joe. Um sure. Do either of you guys remember what the song was last week? I do. I know, I know exactly what it is, yes. What's one song? of my favorite songs. Big Eyed Fish. All Big right. Eyed Fish indeed. So we had eight Big Eyed Fishes. Did you guys? Do you guys have a preference between any of them? I, I, I do, but go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I, I did until my power went out, and my options are pretty limited in terms of looking up information right now. And I actually have... One of my dogs is yelling, yell is is consistently growling and barking at the tree moving outside due to the wind. So I truly apologize, but my input's going to be limited right now. See, that's the problem. That's the problem with trees is they move too much. I actually have to look and see what it is. I know which one I like, but I have to look at the tweet to see which one it is, what letter it is. So Joe, why don't you fill for a second? Well, I can help you if you tell me the. I'll tell you what letter it is, or if you know the album, but. Um, I will say, while you look it up, that this week's was uh, kind of a blowout. Um, it was a clear winner. wasn't very close, so I'm curious to see the one that you pick, if it ends up being the blowout, or do you want to try to pick? Do you, th- do you think you know which one everybody went with? Stand by. Standing by. I got, standing. I got it. I got it now. All right. Okay. See, that's what I thought. And, I, and again, I know that I don't have the winner, because I never have the winner. But the one the one that I like the best out of all of them is actually from the Big Apple. That would be choice D, as in dog, as in the thing barking in the background. Um, <laughs> that is that is the one that I like the best. That Big Apple um, bonus disc um, is pretty good, even though I'm still a little sore that they left off digging a ditch from from the first night because I think that digging a ditch is just fantastic. Um, but that's the one that I really, really like. Now they're all, they're all good. Um, and there are subtle differences to them. And, and I think people kind of understand that, that some are a little bit better than others, but to me, that's the one that I liked. Okay. 
do you have a pick on what you think the masses liked? I'm going to assume um, that they went with C as in chicken um, because it's SPAC. And that is Warehouse 5 or Warehouse 8, okay. um, which is a 2002 SPAC performance because everybody loves SPAC. So SPAC's performance was near the bottom of votes. It actually was – every. It's really? actually – I, to be fair, there were like I said, there was one clear winner, and then everybody else is kind of just all mingled down at the bottom. And SPAC was not the winner, so people are not just voting because of the venue; they're voting. That gives me hope. That I like that. It, it good, was, good, uh, very good. Yep, magnitude's different, and the winner this week was. <laughs> the drum roll still works even when the power's out. Um, the the it's winner the acoustic version, the unplugged. Oh, the unplugged version. Um, the winner of last week's uh, song series was the B, as in boy, uh, live at Folsom Field from the Boulder Colorado really? show. Yes. Ooh, really? Was a, was a and, big and, you know, that's a really day show. Gosh, you know, you know, that's a really good one. Um, and and this is my personal bias on this, and it's it's unfair, but. I don't particularly enjoy that video to watch, but yes, that um, that big eyed fish is very good. In fact, I think um, that is the big eyed fish that was released um, to Spotify. So if you actually have Spotify and you listen to the live version of big eyed fish that's on there, I think that's the one that's there. You remember they did that a few years ago? I have Spotify. Yeah, I, I, I know what you're talking about. Yep. They did back, I think it was in 2012, they did like a series where they basically took like every song and did like a live version of it and put it on Spotify. I'm pretty sure that was the one. Hmm. So it's a really, really good version. It's probably my bias because uh, I don't have Spotify. I I had it for a brief time, but I actually don't use it. Um, So I haven't listened to it outside of the, the video. Yeah. But so that's a really good version, though. I, I cannot fault the people for that one. Yeah, a couple comments. Um, Will Sinclair, podcast favorite, uh, Pig B. He said, "Just for the pigeon noises Dave makes at the two minute and seven second mark." That, he, he liked Ooh. that one. And just to kind of back up, what we were talking about before. <laughs> um, Brian Hansel at Duda Foo said, um, "You know, uh, he picked B, and it wasn't. It actually wasn't one of the ones he was at. He had was at four of the other eight, um, but he still wow. went with B." Um, which was a show he wasn't even at attendance for. So um, some good comments there. But uh, this week I think it was uh, it was pretty straightforward. It was great to get little Big Eyed Fish. I haven't, haven't had a chance to listen to that myself lately, so it was nice to listen to. But that takes us to this week's upcoming um, song series vote. And as usual, we pulled out the ping pong balls, and we did have a miss for the first fire. And the first mm-hmm. miss, the song that came out, was I Remember You. Uh, Jake, and I don't remember that song. Jake, do you know I Remember You? Oh, yes, of course. I remember I Remember You. That was a, a song about, um, if I recall, it's it's a deep lyrical song about remembering um, someone. Well, you, yeah. So you, don't, so you don't remember it? I have no idea. I've never I heard think he tweeted before. about it. <laughs> he t- tweeted a whole... Must have been... <laughs> he wrote a column one of those about tweets. it. Yeah. Another one of those tweets that got lost. <laughs> so... I Remember You, I believe, is a cover. Um, I didn't actually look up the specifics. I probably could have. Um, I thought Jake would know for us, and so I wouldn't have to do that. Um, But instead, um, put it back into the hopper, got another one out, and 
what we all feared at some point would happen has happened at volume oh, nine. It only took nine releases, and it has happened. The song that was Not picked was Warehouse. Oh, my God. Are there enough letters in the alphabet? Um, that is a good question. Do you guys do you want to do you think there's enough letters? How many how many releases do you think there are of the warehouse uh, live releases? I'm I'm gonna guess. I mean, is there really 26? I'm gonna say 18. You guys are nowhere close. There is by my wow. count 59 releases. No, oh, get out of here, 59 releases of warehouse. <laughs> Good luck with that. So well, here's I'm, here's I'm here's what you have help. to do though. Yes, I'm gonna need some help here. I need some brainstorming on how to handle this. So what you're gonna have to do is you're gonna have to break it down, and this is for everybody listening too. You're gonna have to break it down into the style that you like, because there's early warehouse with the original Ooh. intro. There is the the woo intro. There's the butch performances with the woo. There's butch. There's the performances without the woo. With Butch, there's trumpet, there's non-trumpet. So really, there is a there's about seven different ones you you could separate it into, and then you have to figure out from there which one you like. It's a good point. That's a really good point. I wait, think wait, 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 wait. just the intro itself. Yeah, like you said, first to determine okay. which intro do you think is really the best. So so hang on, hang on. Live tracks were up to what's the volume on live tracks? Thirty-seven. Yes. Yes. Okay. And how many DB live releases do we have so far? 25 maybe? No, 36. No, 26. Okay, so I'm sorry. 26, 26, 26. All right, so that's 66 releases. And, and now and we're not talking about Red Rock, the main the initial live releases of which there are what? Maybe 10? Fulsome listener supported all you know, maybe 10? You're telling me of the 75-ish releases that Warehouse has been on, 56 of them? You, all the Warehouse discs, too? Yeah, but think oh, about I, think about how many times you've heard it. Not a lot. Not a lot. Not that ratio. No. Have I seen – okay, so think of all the Warehouse discs. There's been what? 20 of those or something. Okay, let's say there's been 100 live releases for the band, which I think is probably a good ballpark number, right? You're telling me that Warehouse is on greater than one in two live releases. It's not, I haven't seen it one in two shows, maybe one in ten. I don't know what, how many I've seen it. I've seen it quite a bit, though. I don't know. Not one in ten. Uh, I would look it up for you, Joe, but I don't have power right now. I'm, I'm going to look it up right now just to see how many I've seen. By the way, I Remember You was actually a cover song performed by Yukon Cornelius. That's uh, Stefan's side band. <laughs> Because we count those in the <laughs> so not um, even Dave Matthews Band yet a cover on top of that. You like, but that? you know what that is? That that is the um, Skid Row song. I remember you. Wake up to the sound of pouring rain. I'm not going to sing it. Sing it. No, I'm we not going to sing it. You, everybody knows it. You well, know exactly. You what know, it is. a couple a couple episodes ago, some um, Deebs just said it on the uh, Periscope. This warehouse frightens me. That was one of our subtitles to our uh, podcast episode a few weeks ago. I think we might need to revisit that. Well, I've seen I have personally seen 55 shows and I have heard Warehouse 24 times. So, wow. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's counting 
And that's counting everything. That's counting Dave solo shows, which Dave does not play it solo. He's only played it solo. I, I can't once. believe that. That's high, Joe. Jay, that's that's forty percent. Yeah, but that's that is a staple. That is what I've said this before about about Dave Matthews Band. You could make the argument that the most popular songs by the band were not radio singles. Stone, yeah. Warehouse, Two Step. Well, Two Step was a radio release, but really it was late. Forty One. I mean, Forty One was played on Letterman, but still. I mean, the okay. the songs the songs that people know by heart. I mean, who goes to a show? I mean, th- there are people, but really, going to a show and not knowing the words to Warehouse would be like. Okay. I mean, really, I mean, it's like that's like going to a, a Pearl Jam Pearl Jam show and not knowing to the words to. Um, Daughter. No, not even not even that. Just like a non a non radio release song, like like a like an animal or like a Y go or something like that. You still know, know it, right? I've been to sixty nine shows, and I and apparently I've seen Warehouse nineteen times, which sounds like to me feels like double the times I've seen it. I, I can't believe I've seen that song nearly twenty times. Yeah. So maybe. I look mine up. I was exaggerating a bit, I suppose, but but so but so twenty out of seventy shows or so is still you know less than one in three for sure. Um, You know we're sitting at about twenty five, twenty two percent, but still. um, You'd be a shortstop in the majors for that average. Yeah, but I mean, but but this release, I mean, just given our round rough rough math, means that they put Warehouse on more than one every two one out of every two releases greater than that. I mean, you have to know. The releases span a period longer than your tour, right? And let's face it, Warehouse yes. made a lot of appearances early on. A lot pre two thousand, pre two thousand. Good point. Yeah, and point. any any release probably pre two thousand, you probably has Warehouse on it. That that ratio is really high, um, and so that's what you have to factor in. I mean, I looked at my stats just to keep on the nine. data. I'm at fifty six um, out of ninety. Someone on Periscope just said. Say it again. 56 out of the 90 live releases. Yeah. And of those, so if there's, I, I think there's actually 27 now um, DMB lives. Of the 27 DMB lives, there's two There's two that are Dave Solo. Actually, there's one that's Dave Solo. No, there's two. So there's two that you can guarantee that wasn't played in. I mean, if you told me that of the 25 DMB lives, that Warehouse was played 25 times, it wouldn't shock me one bit. Yeah. Huh. Would not would not surprise me in the least. Well, what's the wheelhouse for DMB Live? The mid mid you know nineties, right? Pretty much. Right. It's basically ninety four. Ninety four is the median age of of a DMB Live release. And and in in nineteen ninety four, that song was probably played you know a billion times. Well, what's interesting though is actually only about a third of the appearances are from ninety five or earlier. Um, the other two thirds of all the appearances are after '95 for live releases, so it's interesting. So I thought that was my th- that was the th- I thought that would have been a good working theory also, but actually, you know, you know, you can count on probably two hands um, from the '92, '93, and '94 shows that have Warehouse. The majority of them are are after '95. If what I put you stats? on this, yeah, I was just going to say, what do your stats look like, Joe? What do you mean? How many, how many times have you served? Oh, yes. Have you seen yes. Out? Mine is uh, just about 30% of the shows. He won't say the number. 
<laughs> so you've seen it 300 times. Okay. Um, I don't know how many there... shows in the band played in the last 10 years. <laughs> that's pretty much the number we're looking at. I know. Is there is there a warehouse you can recall from any show that either of you have ever seen that stands out to you um, as saying, like, wow, that was a good one? And, and I, re- I remember one, and it actually was kind of a mess up. Um, but I remember the one from 2000. I, I'm probably going to get the year wrong. I remember the one from 2009 in, in West Palm Beach because they did the original intro and they did the Woo intro. They did both. Hmm. Um, which doesn't happen too often. That's why I recall that one specifically. Yeah. I don't have one that I've seen. I mean, I really, the one that's just top of mind is the one just from the Super Bowl party. I really love, you know, um, Passion Intro. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, Passion Intro. I mean, I would I would think, you know, one of the pick that I would be voting for has to have that intro. Right. Uh, but I don't want to. I've, wanna... I've actually seen a Passion Intro. I saw it in, um, in Providence, Rhode Island back in 1997, Dave and Tim. I don't want to sway so. anybody's vote, though. Wait, wait, wait. Providence, where'd they play? Blue Post? No, no. They played at Johnson & Wales University, which is a culinary school. They had a, a small theater there um, for that. And w- while you guys look up other stuff, I'll go on a tangent. So I drove over there from when I was living in a little town called Bristol, uh, Connecticut. ESPN, your yes. face. <laughs> we drove over. Just don't forget, you can't spell penis without ESPN. Hey, I saw that sign in that in that picture, by the way. Somebody had the ESPN and it spelled penis and they got on TV. <laughs> they, uh, the first time that ever popped up, by the way, was um, that we know of, was in 1998. I think it was January 1998. It was North Carolina was playing in Hawaii, at Hawaii. Um, and, and, and the Hawaii fans were going crazy. And they had a giant sign up and it held it up. And I was actually doing the highlight. That's how I remembered it. And um, and I was like, I've got the greatest shot of all time. I need to put it in there. It's going to be right off the top. I said, so I, I think Eisen was doing the highlight. And so I wrote it out. And um, I was like, just don't say anything. Just basically the way you the way you do your highlights in ESPN was it's it's three boxes. It's situation, action, result, situation. The scores, you know, early on, two minutes to go, scores tied at 10. Action would be, you know. Vince Carter drives to the hole, hits a left-handed layup. Result would be North Carolina up four. So my situation action result was in parentheses, so it means don't say it out loud. Just don't say anything. Look at the sign and laugh. And that was it. So I cut the highlight like that, and I, I gave it to the – they have a highlight supervisor that kind of okays it before it goes on there. And he looked at me, and he's like, are you out of your freaking mind? We're not putting penis on the air. I'm like, come on! I'm like, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. And 20 years later, Twitter took care of it. Exactly. So, so oh, no, yeah. Jake, 20, always... Jake 20 years ago tweeted that, but you just it did, you didn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> it got tied up, you know. That's that's the problem with Twitter. It's just sometimes things don't go. It it's like Jake forgetting to put the stamp on a letter. <laughs> or the telegram. Maybe, maybe we should go back a little farther. Telegram. Yes. We used to send them back by auto gyro. Send all the telegrams that way. By auto gyro. That was the quick way. Get them to Absinia. So this is going to be a different one, a difficult one in order to figure out what song will win. I, I don't really know how we're going to do this, to be honest. Joe, so let me ask you this. Are you going to cap it? Is there a max number? Max number. Forget forget how you, whitt- let's say you whittle it down. You say, we're going to have 20 options. Uh, 
are you going to do that, or are we going to have 56 options? Uh, you think you got to have all of them. And like I said, I, I, I count 59. Uh, but th- that question comes is, do you count the one that's on the recently EP? Oh, we're going we're gonna to quibble on that. Does that count or not? Of course it counts. It's, the live it's release. Live. And it was it was live in uh, Live Tracks thirty. Okay, just it's the same. It's the same release. Uh, oh, that's right. It is on Live, live Tracks uh, thirty. Huh? Yeah. So it's actually not on Remember Two Things. It was on Live Tracks thirty. There you go. So it was played in Live Tracks thirty, but it did not make the cut for the original Remember Two Things. Oh, Joe, boo! Remember? I don't know. When did, when did we even start talking about Remember Two Things? I said recently. Oh, recently. Yeah, it was on the. It was on the. Was it on the recently disc? Not the one I'm talking about, the performance I'm talking about, um, is the two twenty one ninety four. That that yep, that's right. That is on the. Um, Ooh. Jake that was on stumped. the. No, that's the DMB live that just released, right? Yes, that's the one. Yeah, that's. Or the is one. It, Yeah, that's that's the one they just released. There you go. So that's on that's on the other recently disc. That's right. Because there's two recently there's actually two recently discs. There's the uh, recently disc, and then there's the radio cut of that, which has two different performances and has a radio edit of uh, recently. So if you were able to pick up the uh, seven inch vinyl from uh, um, from recently that came out, I think a year ago, that actually uh, has both of them on there. Nice. Yeah, that's a that's a neat little thing they did. That was a little that was a really a, a big wink and a nod to the hardcore fan is saying, "Hey, listen, we know there's two recently discs. Here's both of them." That was the really cool thing about that. So maybe Jake, I can entitle your help on helping me determine categorizing these, you know, to help the to help the listeners, those that are interested in voting on which period would have which intro or which type of style performance? Think that you think oh, you can sh- help with that? I'm busy that day. Exactly, that's what I thought. Uh, and just on a side note too, Matt, you're 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 stunned by the number of warehouse appearances on live live discs, right? Um, I am. You you will be surprised to know that there are actually a couple songs that have more appearances than warehouse. Uh, I just can, it's unbelievable. And can I of, guess? You can guess. Yes. Is one of them Jimmy thing? Matt's favorite song. Yep. And the other one would be Ants Marching. Never heard of it. What's that? It's a crappy website where everybody hates on the band. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, we haven't hit those. But I can't believe just in our ninth iteration of the song series, we went and freaking got one of the top songs, of course. Ninth iteration of Joe's song series. I don't even know what that is. Yes. So we will figure out some way to handle this voting. I'm not really sure how... Um, it may be a mess, just announcing that in the beginning here. But we will we will figure something out. And you'll probably be figured out by Friday. Yep, we'll give you guys exactly two hours to, to vote. <laughs> figure it out. Real quick, so I, I drove from Bristol, Connecticut to Providence, Rhode Island to go see Dave and Tim. I did not have tickets, but I arrived there uh, for a 7.30 or 8 o'clock show, whatever time it was, at about 3.45. And um, I walked over to the venue just in case anybody was scalping tickets or anything like that. And I saw um, a a man and a woman waiting in a line, but they were the only two people there. There was a a young, a a kid, you know, in his 20s standing behind him. 
So I, I walked up to them and I was kind of like, are, are you guys waiting to buy tickets? And they said to me, yeah, we've actually gone to every Dave and Tim show um, in, in the Northeast here. And what we did was we waited in line until the friends and family people didn't show up. And there's usually about seven tickets left. And of those seven tickets, they'll sell back you. They'll sell them to the fans for whatever the face value is. So, you know, if they have like two tickets together, they'll sell them back and so on and so forth. So they they were like number one for like the last three shows. They played right before they played Providence. They played in a town called New London, uh, Connecticut, which is down near the coast. And they would just been there the day before. So I said, oh, what the heck? I'll just stand here and wait. So in the snow, pouring down snow, I stood there. I was slightly covered. And I was actually fourth in line to buy back tickets. And they had five tickets remaining for um, to sell back to people. So what they decided to do was they sold those five tickets. And then they gave another five standing room only up in the balcony to the next five people and then they cut the line. So basically the first 10 people in line got tickets. So because of that, I was able to buy a ticket to the show and I walked in just as the band was finishing up two step. So as I was standing there, they opened with warehouse, but I was literally standing in the doorway of the venue so I could hear it the whole song. So I heard all of warehouses. It was being played and I, I can't remember if two step was second or third, but I got in there pretty quickly. So that doesn't even happen anymore, really. You can't you can't really do that. But back in those days, um, for that tour, you could do that. So it's kind of a a, a different way the, of seeing the band. And it's the only way I've ever seen them like like that. That is it pretty cool. Just, yeah, it was it was kind of crazy. It was it was snowing like like crazy. And and as as you guys know that I have the smallest bladder in the world, so for me to hold my pee for three hours was like the most impressive thing of all time i saw you on some of those elderly prostate commercials at 2 a.m in the morning oh my oh my god i have the i have the bladder of a freaking 70 year old holy cow (laughs) and you're only 64 exactly so really i got six more years before i catch up to you know funny funny rhode island uh um what's the word i'm looking for anecdotal story here is somewhat related to dmb not to your location but um i asked earlier lupo's heartbreak hotel yeah, uh, I actually saw Ben Folds Five there with really? Duncan Sheik opening. Not Ben Folds wow. Five, ben, ben Folds. I'm sorry, just Ben Folds. Um, and I attended the show with a Mr. Eric Naylor. Really? And we recorded the show Stealth. Ah. So a great, we go there. Great, and, 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 by the way, by the way, famous taper among Dave Matthews Band. Great guy. Fantastic. Oh, I'm going there. Have, yeah. Sorry. Oh yeah. He's, he's a, no, it's all good. Great dude. Um, and, uh, back in the early two thousands, I'd go to, I'd run shows with him. He was, he was a prolific taper in the mid two thousands. Um, taping wizard, you might know him by, but yeah, he's on a ton of source info. And so he had a really nice, uh, audio, uh, no, uh, AKG. He was an, he ran an AKG rake. And so we, it was a cold evening in, um, I don't know when it was, but it was, uh, it was uh, obviously Providence, Rhode Island. So we were in the car and he had his rig and here we are bringing it in. Now, Ben doesn't really do um, taping all that much, but he's not strict about it. So he said, oh, what the hell? Let's give it a shot. And we packed up his kit and we were walking in. So we get to the door and uh, they kicked, they, they bounced us. They said, no, you can't bring that kind of stuff in. And we tried, we tried, we pushed, we pushed. 
no, the venue would not let us in with that. So we ran, like we parked about a mile and a half away. So we ran back with all of Eric's gear to the car, dumped it in the trunk and grabbed his, uh, his little cardioids. His, his, he had stealth, uh, <laughs> he had little stealth microphones that they looked like the, uh, the eraser on a pencil on the ah. end of cables. So we basically like, he's like, here, put this in the back of your pants. So I basically stuffed it down my pants and we came back in and got through. So in Lupos, it is a hole, the, uh, the venue. It really is. It's right next door to some kind of punk or like house club. So about three quarters of the way through the show, the uh, oons started coming through the wall. And the tape actually picks that up, which is great. But what we did is we sat, we, because, because we were late, we, the, the show hadn't started yet, but at that point, everybody was already in the venue. So we didn't have like the pick of the litter in terms of uh, the seats. We got up on the balcony. We were in the front row of the balcony. So it wasn't bad, actually. Um, and we took these little microphones. They probably had six, six to ten foot cords on them. And we just kind of dropped them over the edge of the balcony. So they were hanging. They were hanging there swinging like Christmas lights. Nobody could see them. And then Eric had his little dat with a battery pack on it. We plugged in and we recorded the entire show. Um, so we stealthed the Benfold's, Benfold's show. And uh, the back quarter of the show definitely picked up the rock going on next door. But uh, that was a good uh, Providence story. That was a lot of fun, actually. That was a good time. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. I actually have that tape. Can you I send actually, it to me? Because I lost it in a computer transfer. I I, I, I do have it. And yes, I, I will send it to you. I will do a BMP. Yeah. <laughs> please, I will send you some J cards, too, so you can fill those out. <laughs> nah, that, now you're talking. There we go. Hey, what do you think? A good good time is I need to take a break um, now that Joe's song series has been announced and all that kind of stuff. No idea what and, that uh, is. We'll come, <laughs> we will come back and we will answer um, your listener questions here. We'll be right back. Hang with us. Welcome back, everybody, to segment two of episode 62. Uh, so we're almost at Jake's age of the Ants Martial Rock podcast. We're going to celebrate that soon. Three to go. A couple of weeks. Three, Three to go. go. And then it's the big six five. Uh, thanks for hanging with us. This has been a lot of fun. Um, 
Thank goodness it's during the daytime, or I would be podcasting by candlelight right now. So, Joe, thank you for picking up the slack again. We should um, do that. We should podcast by candlelight. You just want the romance. Do it. You know, Maloszewski means love in Polish. News to me. (laughs) Anyway. Unskilled worker. (laughs) (laughs) We've got an awful lot of listener questions again this week. Guys, thank you so much for um, for tweeting in with the questions. And they're really interesting, quite honestly. I, I couldn't come up with this many good ones. So thank you to everybody who listens out there and posts questions. Uh, we've got we've got a lot of good ones. So, Joe, why don't you start it out, the Joe, the Joe Marching Podcast, the Joe Questions. What do you got? Yeah, right. Um, this one you guys will love. I'm going to want to sit out of this one. But um, – Evan Spencer on Twitter, at Evan R. Spencer, said, Ed Ant's marching. Try to Cezanne due to your beer discussions. Good stuff. Oh. I propose that an hashtag Ant's Beer Fest become a thing. And then Ant's, hashtag Ant's Podcast, hashtag Free Dodo. So uh, Ant's Beer Cast, well, what do you think? You know what we need to do, Matt? We need to do this. Maybe we can do this this, this time. Is We need to really talk about the uh, places that we get the beer from because you and i have uh really focused on local places you're out in seattle which has just tremendous beer i mean just the you could throw a football and hit seven great beer places and and i'm kind of lucky here in central florida where we've we've really hit a a stride where we've got some really great local places well well, jake do you are you thinking spinoff podcast kind of like a a 30-minute show every other week or so we could do that you want to do that Maybe we could do that. I will. I will give. If, if I need, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, I need another excuse to get some more beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Joe can sit in the corner. We can make fun of him for his red zin. I would drink yeah. out. <laughs> I actually love. I, the funny part is, is like red zin is my favorite of all. I red, love. I, I, you know what? And and I and no, I just no on that joke too. White zin is what I meant. Oh, oh. I know. Pink. Little Sutter home action. A little pink. Um, you know, what, Joe. What's your favorite beer? Uh, favorite wine from a box? Just, just throw it out there. <laughs> Is there that many choices? No, Here's I, the thing. He I knows. Drink, he knows at least one answer to that question. That's. The sad I will part. drink. I love beer. I drink beer. I prefer a pilsner. I prefer, prefer a, any kind of style of lager. But I'll drink the other kinds. And if you guys want to send me beer, I'm happy to try it and discuss it. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you guys want yeah. to send me money, I'm happy to take it too. Duh. <laughs> exactly. Well, <laughs> anybody wants to pay my mortgage, just let me know. <laughs> but I, I think I, that would be fun. I mean, maybe keep an eye out for the Ants Beer Cast. Who maybe. knows? Maybe, maybe you have exactly. to get something. I will give Matt credit though. Um, I was reading an article this past week that said sour beers are like the new hot trending thing, and I just know Matt as drinking sour beers like years and years ago before they were trendy or popular. So I was like, ah, oh, give prop to, uh, to Matt for drink for uh, for his taste there. Well, thank you, Joe. And typically, I'm the t- to actually get on the bandwagon after it's already lost its popularity. Right. This time, yeah. Yeah. It, rather than being ahead of the curve, I'm actually quite behind the curve, which makes me think that I'm ahead of the curve. Because yep. I, I started wearing that after it was cool. <laughs> Matt, let me ask you a question uh, related to beer, just so we can just help Tyler along a little bit. So earlier today, while I was building everything from Ikea, I Where'd had an extra, extra pale ale. 
an extra pale ale from a local place here uh, called Red Cypress, which I've had many times, as you probably know. What is the difference between an extra pale ale and a pale ale, generally speaking? Well, I think maybe the more apt question would be, what's the difference between an extra pale ale and an imperial pale ale? Excellent. Or, or, or an India pale ale. Well, wouldn't an India pale ale by default be more hoppy, where an extra would be less hoppy? I mean, in the scale of hoppiness, is that what we're talking about? Yes, but I mean, a pale ale still has hops. So what is an extra pale ale? More hops? M- more hops, but not as much as in India? Right. So I'm asking. I'm, I'm, I'm right, not, and, I'm, and, and that's, that goes to my, my answer. My answer is the names on some of these things are getting so crazy. Um, like a black IPA, a white IPA. Uh, it's really just a tweak on any kind of existing recipe. So I would say <clears throat> you might, and I've had, I've had straight up pale ales that taste like IPAs or double IPAs. Um, Sierra Nevada just, pale ale tastes like an IPA. It's right, delicious. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's so Super drinkable. Hot. Yeah. Super hoppy. Great hoppy beer. But I mean, is that an extra pale ale or is that a pale ale? Is it an India pale ale? This is going to make all... a great topic for your first podcast. Yeah, you can take a shot at the style, but um, it all depends on how the brewery handles it, really. So I, I can't give you a solid answer on that, Jake. I mean, the extra pale ale might be lighter than someone's typical pale ale. It might be hoppier than somebody's double IPA. This will be so a really it... good topic for your, the podcast, not, yeah. this, not this podcast. Not this podcast. Not this one. Not this one. Uh, how about Jake? You got any questions or you want me to throw one at you? I, I've got one, actually. Um, I've got one from our good friend Tyler Ovierly. Uh, Ovierly. For, for being such a close friend, you can't say his name. <laughs> They're very tight. Oliveri. 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 He calls him O. We're, we're practically Paisan, for God's sake. T.O. So. Uh, but anyway, he asks... Um, at Ants Marching, what songs do you guys think will be liberated this tour? Think, not expect, but think. Well, gee, we and know your answer, Jake. No, no, no. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, free Dodo. Hashtag Jake's free Dodo. going to jump on my bandwagon and, and say Dodo. I agree. But No, no, but, but really, think, I think think is the, think, I think think is the key word. So what songs could could reasonably be done besides dodo um you know what i think could be done what i think something along that oh six oh seven release line because it seems like those songs have been forgotten the last couple tours and that's talking about well i'm not talking about a uh, cornbread because it just plays every other tour every other show but like uh an e he which matt and i are big fans of oh yeah Shot- shotgun which uh everyone's a big fan of uh Break free would be fantastic. I would love to hear a break free. Um, and what else am I missing for that? Kill the King. Oh my goodness, what I would what I wouldn't do for Kill the King. I might commit regicide for Kill the King. It's I would love to hear that song. That was a little really? regicide. regicide means kill the king, just in case you didn't know. But anyway. Um, that would be nice. I would like I think I think that something in that range will be played. Because that's something that has been forgotten in the last couple of tours. You know, um, I wouldn't say he's a liberation target. 
it's it, it's not frequently played, but it's, it hasn't certainly been put on mothballs either. Um, shotgun, I would I would because even when it was played, it wasn't played heavily, right? Right. I don't think that show that song ever got serious rotation. Um, Kill the King, Break Free, couldn't care less. Boring, no good. In my oh, opinion. I love Break Free. Yeah, love I, I know. Free. I I don't know why they just never. Here's what's funny. And and Joe and I bet you both kind of, and anybody out there who sees the band semi regularly along the tours probably have the same feeling. Do you hear songs live? And I'm not talking about One Sweet World or Warehouse or Billy's because they've been around forever. But songs that have come up in the last 15 years, can you tie them? That when you hear them, does that does that bring you back to that year's tour cycle where you're traveling with your friends and you're at the shows and you can feel that summer again? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And that that's what I feel with with those songs. When I think of like when I think of Shotgun, the first thing that goes to my mind is all of us sitting there in 2006 in Charlottesville. Yeah. And we heard Shotgun. When I think Break Free, I, I immediately go to West Palm Beach the first time I heard Break Free. That's that's something that that readily resonates with me. It's, yeah. That, that's the beauty of the live songs that haven't been uh, appeared on an album yet is it really takes me to that and even to an extent the stuff live that doesn't get played too often um i can think about that i could i could think of some things even though even with gaucho where i could think of like you know i'm, I'm not the hugest fan of gaucho but i can think of like where i was in 2012 when i heard gaucho things like that yeah so so even if i don't like the songs they do bring me back to those those summers right those tour moments um, Shaka, so Dodo thrown out the window because I do think Dodo is going to be played this summer. I do strongly. Free Dodo, and it's going to be played because of our campaign. It is, and everybody out there tweeting free Dodo, and I think at a certain point we're going to kind of release the hounds and encourage free Dodo to trend on Twitter. Not yet. Don't blow your wad yet. Take it easy. But we'll get there. We'll coordinate it, and Slow we'll and start steady. hammering the band with free Dodo. At a, at, a, at a determined time, I think. I think Dota will be released. Um, and somebody did ask, Jake, and I think you retweeted it, uh, when when was uh, the last time Dota played, and, and was the crowd aware that it was the very last one? That was very good, <laughs> yes, it was. Well, you know, that's the funny thing, is it, it was teased in, in England, um, and, the, and the crowd heard it, they knew it, it actually appeared on the live set list. It was um, it was teased all last year, wasn't it? Not all last year. It was teased in 2014. I actually heard one of the teases. I heard it in Jacksonville. It, yeah, it, if, it wasn't it wasn't teased like Pig was that one year. No, no, not like that. But it, you know, that's a that's a song. You have to remember that that's not a Dave Matthews Band song. That's actually a Dave and Friends song. So right. technically speaking, it's a cover. So it, technically, it, it's, it's a Dave Matthews song. Yes, correct. Yes, correct. It's a Dave Matthews song. Um, so it's it's not out of the ordinary to say that um, somebody in the band wouldn't know it. Um, I, I would think Stefan knows everything. I mean, that's just the way his nature is. That I, I think that you could pretty much tell Stefan anything, and he would know the song. I mean, Stefan. I, I think. Yeah, I mean, you've already got Tim Reynolds in the loop. He's he was on that album. He right. wrote that but album think, with Dave. Think think about uh, um, the the somebody held up a sign for people people, and Stefan played the baseline to it because that's yeah. just how Stefan is because he knows the band. Well, it's, he it's, knows them it's, inside it's, and out. Well, what, what do we, what have we got off some double? So damn lucky is 
a semi-staple now. Yes. Um, Grave Digger, semi-staple. Semi-staple. E, um, is, is that not- it? Oh, and then, you know, you've got and another thing, which is little thing, which is a nice little, well, you know, snuck in tease a la 40. Oh, oh, gets played a lot. Dave and Tim. That's right. Yep. Good call. Um, you which, know what which I like a great lot? song. I, I like Baby's, that a lot. Baby's a great song. I, I agree with you. I, and Baby that, that is, never really kind of surfaced. I, I wonder if because the lyrics are so kind of set to that time period, if it's sort of like a snapshot to Dave. Because it, it, the whole song is an allegory for 2004 and, or 2003, 2004, kind of like that whole time period. I wonder if that happens. It, it, it kind of runs into a question that, that's coming up that we're going to ask in just a second that I'm about to um, segue into, which is from Sinclair Will, our good buddy Will Sinclair. It says, Key Cat Jam lyrics were cut. Dave hates writing lyrics. Would an album from DMB without lyrics be any good or acceptable hashtag ants podcast. Just to kind of go back to the beginning of that, when Dave didn't have lyrics for Kit Kat jam, he sang them about whatever the time period was. So when Kit Kat jam was played a lot in 2003, 2004, it had to do with like, kind of like the mood of America um, at that time, whether you agree or disagree with, with whatever it was, that's beside the point. It's kind of whatever Dave was feeling. So when you hear a 2002, 2003, 2004 Kit Kat Jam, you're there. You know where it was played because of what Dave's singing about. It's, it's mainly about uh, the Iraq War and such like that. So they came back in 2010, or, or sorry, 2012 rather, and they dropped the lyrics out of it. Um, and it, it sort of went back to the original quote unquote album version. Could DMB pull off something without lyrics? No, not really. No, um, have they done it? Have they done it before? Yeah. Um, Rapunzel actually debuted without lyrics. That debuted in 1994 in Montana, of all places. No okay. offense to our Montanan listeners, but it debuted there as a jam, and they turned it around four years later, made it into a song. Warehouse was played for almost a year without lyrics. Basically, Dave just bs his way through it and some versions barely had him singing so it's happened before but i just think the band's in a different place now to where they can't do that even you can go back even to 1993 doobie thing you guys remember doobie thing oh yeah so doobie thing was a great jam doobie thing was a song doobie thing was a straight out effing song that basically dave never found lyrics for but so they just turned into a jam even take take their interludes on the Before the Crowded Streets album, things like that. They can do, you know, and, and a lot of their songs have, you know, eight to twelve minute jam sessions, and that's fine. But in terms of a song built around nothing but the but the music, they're not the flectones. And that's not a knock. It's just not what they're built for. And, no. and here and there, fine. An entire album of it would not. They, I don't think they could pull it off. Agreed. They're not built for that. Right, Joe. Agreed. No, I don't know. I mean, I was thinking about it. It, you know, it needs at least a chorus, whether or not it has, you know, full on lyrics. You know, it still needs a chorus. I, I just think it would be tough to, to pull off a bunch of songs without anything at all for people to kind of yell out and have fun singing at a concert. I, just, I mean, as much as I think I would enjoy it, I just don't think it would be successful. 
if there's anything they could try to resurrect without lyrics, it would be um, um, Blackjack. And and I like experimental stuff. Uh, Ben Foles has done experimental albums. He had William Shatner on a song with him. I, I... I wouldn't mind seeing the band do more of that. Like Dave's uh, some devil was kind of an experimental offshoot that ended up being absolutely brilliant. Right. And I, I don't know if that was the plan. It's just so happened that way. I wouldn't mind the band being more experimental. I mean, nobody's going to complain about more music. Right. But I, I think if they did something like that, it would have to be, have to be lower, lower expectations. Yeah. You have a question, Matt? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, Hey Berto asks us, uh, it seems the Under the Table and Dreaming Vinyl wasn't remixed for the format to much criticism. Has that killed future releases? And and wasn't remixed for the format. I think I'm going to I'm gonna kind of um, look into this more. I, I believe he probably means the, uh, the Loudness Wars. We've talked about a little bit on the podcast before. I think probably things were turned up to 11 for the most part, like they are on most modern albums. And I think people... And fans of vinyl have come to uh, expect vinyl to be remastered to the point where you've got more quiet moments. You've got a much wider sonic scope instead of looking at the looking at the sonic chart and seeing everything up against the top. Um, you've got some you've got some range. Is that is that correct, Jake? Um, basically, and has um, and has that killed future releases? No, I, I not no, right. I mean, you wouldn't think so. I mean, it, I don't see how it kills. I don't know. I don't really see how those two things relate. I don't see how that kills future releases. Uh, well, from now, I'm I'm not an expert in any way, shape, or form. But from what I understand, the way vinyl works is um, there was a great article. I, I think we retweeted it, or maybe it's one of those tweets that didn't go out again. But basically, <laughs> um, it was one of the one of the guys that mixes for for uh, the band, and he said. If I have 18 minutes or less, I can pretty much put anything onto the side, make it sound as loud as humanly possible, the best dynamics that is out there. Um, the cutoff is about 20 minutes. Well, think about the band. You know, the band doesn't play songs in that range. I mean, how many talk- songs are you talking about per side if you're going less than, I'm talking about live stuff, less than 20 minutes? I mean, that's hard to do, right? <laughs> Oh boy. I mean, it's it it would be it it would be difficult. So yeah, but I just don't I, see I, how it relates to killing future releases. I, I get I, I I get the difficulty, I get the criticism, you know, all that kind of stuff. But kill future releases? No, I don't see that. Well, I mean, album releases, yeah. I mean, live releases, does it limit it? I mean, yeah. I mean, I would imagine. That just producing the, the the live tracks that they've re-released, if if they want to make them um, in the full uh, quote unquote Dolby Blue style of of the full dynamic range, you're going to need to really spread out the discs. Probably have more discs discs than you would want to have financially to make it beneficial. That's the problem. Didn't know there Just was a Dolby the, Blue style. Look at this. Listen, listen yes. to this. Wow. Yes. Wow. If you don't know Dolby Blue, you should know because he is the analog expert on antsmarching.org. So just go in there, and if you go on the message board, if you have any questions about anything involved with vinyl, just there's a couple threads on it. Just look for Dolby, and whatever he says, just do what he says. 
that's 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 the easy way of doing it. I follow that. And, and that's I actually the, follow that advice myself too. <laughs> exactly or otherwise. Yes. Yeah. It really, yes. it's true. I mean, but that's the thing. I mean, think about it. I mean, how? I mean, if if the ideal, if the ideal thing to do, is eighteen minutes. I mean, you're talking about you can't do warehouse and Nancy's. It can't happen. It doesn't matter though for future releases. I, that's my point. That's my point. Anyway, how about this question? But no, no, but, but no, no, but it does. But it doesn't. Does it limit it? Yes. Right. No. You'll admit that, right, Joe? No. Why? Because you can't release a Nancy's and Warehouse together from nineteen. I'm sorry. From let's say two thousand four. Until now, because Nancy's and Warehouse together is 23 minutes. Now, I, I don't even know what it is, but it's 23 minutes. <laughs> one piece of this podcast. Uh, <laughs> Greg, I, I see what you did there. Greg at Some Devil 40 Socks says, Hey, Ants Marching, um, does it mean anything for Dave and John Allegria? Is that how you say his name? Allegria? Allegia. Allegia. Thank you. Is that an allergy medicine show? It sounds like one. It sounds like something got a rub of some cream or something. He is. Um, to be seen in and around Seattle this week. Hashtag Ants Podcast. Hashtag Free Dodo. Hashtag New Album. Does it mean anything to see those um, two together? You guys have an opinion? Hashtag, I have an opinion. I will hashtag say, Greg, stop stalking the band, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. Two things. I haven't seen any of that action, and I live out here. So I'm going to have to get on my stalker game. Yeah, you got to pick it up a little bit. Yeah, Two, yeah. it absolutely means something. No, it doesn't. If they've been seen in no, and around Seattle, yes, they're no, hanging out. If they're hanging out, they're recording. No, one hundred percent no. Oh, okay, well, no. Well, jo- John you know what, is John does the mastering. He's not going to be involved in the recording process. Also, right. Dave and John we've heard, are, are friends. We've heard the they're, albums they're, drop. No, Joe, we've we've heard the albums dropping in two weeks. You did. Yeah, because you, you're on top of it. They're friends. They hang out together. I mean, not... all John all John does is mastering, and he co-wrote three songs on the last album. I mean, really, it's, I mean, it's like nothing. <laughs> he barely knows the guy. I bet he shows up and he's like, he knocks on the door. He's like, "Hey, is Dave home?" Like, yeah, who's calling? It's John. Like John, who? Allegria. <laughs> Allegria. Or... <laughs> Allegria. <laughs> is there is there an alternate pronunciation? <laughs> I think it's significant. It's Look, not. John. John's John has known the band since the beginning. The yes. the last um, uh, live tracks released, live tracks thirty seven. John re- recorded it in nineteen ninety two. I mean, you guys were like three then, you know. They're John just is not out. coming out to Seattle just to BS. Yes, they are for one hundred percent. Okay. Or he might be out there for something else. And then he's meeting up with Dave. You, you know what? You know out. what, Joe? I'll just I'll drive down the road and I'll let you know. Okay, thank you. Yeah, will you report back on the next podcast how the albums go? I, I will. I will. Okay. I'll do my work. I like it. Boris Jake, Fowler. Yes. Bo- Boris Fowler, which is at Boris Fowler, asks if occasionally DMB was going to end a show with a quiet slash s- slow song. What quiet? Quiet closers or quiet closers. Would you like hashtag ants podcast? Assume the song will be played after that's all caps, a normal encore closer, but not in place of an up tempo song. Um, DMB has closed with a slow song, quote unquote, uh, to my knowledge, once that I thought I'm surprised it's only happened once. 
and I'm assuming it's because the crowd basically left three quarters of the way through it. <laughs> but I always thought that Say Goodbye would be a good closer. I would consider that to be a slow song. Now, back in the early club days, Dave would end solo stuff with like, you know, like pay for what you get and stuff just to fill time at three in the morning. But I mean, I always thought that Say Goodbye would work as a closer. Hmm. That's just me. No, good one. I'm having, just having a hard what? time trying to picture a quiet song closing. I mean, you I can't say, close. Is Spoon a quiet, a quiet song? I mean, it is until the yeah. end when they go crazy. Yeah, the album version is real, a real powerful ending for sure. So do I mean, you say that? We counts? would all love it. Yeah, I, I think Spoon I, be a good closer if if you follow the same way that the song builds up in the studio. I agree. I actually agree with you. Spoon would be a great closer. What more than Spoon and Say Goodbye? Um, <laughs> not much. Right? You got anything, Joe? I mean... Just You're not going to end with pay for what you get. You're not going to end with uh, I'll back you up. Yeah, I know. That's, no. why I, that's why I'm struggling at it. I mean, I just can't... I can't see anything. I, I got nothing. It's just... I hope it doesn't happen. Right. I hope it doesn't happen. Maybe... I, so, uh, so Michael Calvert asks, uh, why is Listener Supported called Listener Supported and not live from East Rutherford, New Jersey? That is an excellent question, Michael. By the way, hashtag Ann's Podcast, hashtag Free Dodo. Yes, thank you very much, Michael. <laughs> excellent question, Michael. This is um, there's a great thread in, um, in the forums. It talks about shows that you could have gone to or had – actually, it's, it's tickets you had shows to. I did not have tickets to the show. But um, I was actually planning on going to the show, but I ended up moving to Florida instead. So I did not go to the listener-supported show. The reason it's called that is because the broadcast was on PBS. PBS, right, yeah. Correct. And PBS, of course, is driven by listener support. So people that donate money will actually make this happen, make the release happen. And that's why it's called listener-supported. Um, one of my favorite um, misreads of all time was by um, the former site Nancy's.org, which was before we even existed. Ants Marching existed. There used to be a site back in the day. Waldo ran it named uh, Nancy's.org, and Nancy's had a great uh, exclusive to it, and they thought that the, store, the, the name of the album was going to be Listen and Support This. Which just like, okay, yes, I will. Okay, I will listen. I will support. But really, that's what it's it, it's really because it was supported by the listeners. And when the concert occurred live, um, there were feed there were um, live call ins and cut ins and such to where you could donate money. Um, and that's where it came from. Jake, this one's a so. good one for you. Um, that's good. One. Ray calls out. Colazo, Colazo, Joe. What's Colazo. Sorry, my my screen, my screen moved right when I was going to read it. Ray you know, Colazo. He's got the cops. He's dirty. He, he's got to take care of him. Pop. <laughs> I did, I did not know this until now. He's at Colazo Ray, a pimp. but he has a Twitter avatar of a dodo bird. So I thought Free that, would, that would be appropriate for you. He says, at Ants Marching, have, you, have they ever repeated a set list? I don't, I don't know who he's talking about. Maybe DMB. I'm not sure. If not, how do they ensure different ones? Question mark. Hashtag Ants Podcast. Jake? Two things. Yes, they have. It was a Dave Solo show. 
and it was either in 2011 or 2012. It was one of those little kind of sidebar nothing shows uh, where Dave does little fundraisers for people. And he performed the same exact set list twice. That's the only time it's ever happened. Um, and and other than that, it's never happened. Wait, How do wait, they? Ins- you, mean, you mean he did it on the same day? No, no, he did. He did like a show in Hollywood, Florida, or Hollywood, uh, California, for a fundraiser, and did a show in like Seattle the next day, and it was the same exact songs, same exact order, same everything. But that was it. But it was. But it was not like oh, from three years ago, it was back to back nights. Within yeah, within reason, within a couple days. Other than that, no, it's never happened. It's never happened when they've played a full Dave Matthews Band song. It's never played the exact same songs in the exact same order more than one night. And the way they do that, um, which is interesting, is that uh, Dave actually gets a kind of like a printed set list of like the last four or five shows from a venue or from that state. And he goes over and he looks over it and he kind of fills out what he wants there's been videos and there's been tweets about it from the official site talking about how he puts things together so yes there actually is a sort of rhyme and reason no pun intended to putting everything together um although people might not actually realize that but yes there is something to it and they put it together and they try not to repeat things and they try to make things fresh right and let alone just All the right. set list itself, the, you know, the the performances are different every time for the most part. So even if by chance they were to uh, play the same songs in the same order, they it would still be a different show. Yeah, one of the things that I like, and, and I'm not knocking these artists, like I've seen James Taylor a dozen times. Um, James will do a tour, and he'll have the, he'll have similar or the same set list, um, but he'll have the same stories in between songs, worded the same way. That kind of bothers me yeah and, and it, you've got a, you've got an artist who's one of the all-time greats um and he i saw him play at key arena a couple of years ago out here in seattle and he um, did a two-hour set one and then he took a break and while the entire band went backstage to take a break james stayed out there went to the front of the stage all of these fans ran up to the front of the stage and he sat there talking and signing autographs for 30 minutes and then got back up. And this guy's what? How old is James Taylor? 68? Like He's 100. Yeah, I mean, a guy's been around for a long time. And he didn't take a break and went back and played. So I'm not knocking it. But at the same time, I think there's something special to be said about about acts that don't do that. And it's a unique show every tour. Um, so to Joe's point, yeah, it's, it's a different performance, different show every night, regardless of the set list. Mm-hmm. I love this question. This is from Bruce W. at uh, Who's Bruce, um, who's a professional golfer, by the way. So uh, if you want to go ahead and look for our good friend Bruce Woodall, go ahead and, and support him because he's trying to make it on the big tour. He's a hell of a golfer. and He can beat everybody who's listening right this very second. But he asks, at Ants Marching, Matt, how was that MCI show back in 2002? I forgot. Hey, Bruce, go back to the golf course and work on your putts. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to tell my favorite story of all time? Everybody who's listened to the show, I would say on average every three shows, every three episodes gets the story. It doesn't need to be told again. Was it good? You know what I wish I, I had? A sound effect of a car like spinning its wheels and peeling away. 
Because that's what comes to mind. Because my cousin and I ran out of that venue halfway through two-step, and the band still beat us out of there. That tells you how much they burned rubber out of that piece. I'm not going there tonight. I'm not going there tonight, okay? I'm having a good weekend. No, I'm not, actually, but I don't want to make it work. You don't want to tell that story when there's no power. Yes. No, no, exactly. Andrew K., which is Sabonis34, this is question means a lot to you guys. Um, what song title do you tell your kids the most? Mine is Don't Drink the Water, Every Single Bath. Hashtag Ants Marching, or uh, Ants Podcast. Um, you, you know what's really funny is, I, I know this means nothing to you guys, but people that are listening will kind of get this. I have found that the songs that my kids catch the most are the ones I listen to the most. And... And back in 2012, um, there was a kind of the way I was picking my kids up with school from school was um, they were in the car with me for like 45 minutes. So I was listening to the 2012 tour, like religiously. So my kids know Big Whiskey inside and out to the point where my eldest daughter, who's now 14, which is (sighs) unbelievable. I know. Oh, my God. Jesus. God, don't even start. Um, that reminds me of a killer boyfriend. Um, but anyway, but um, <laughs> she uh, we're, we're at her competition. She does color guard, which is the little flag spinning stuff. Um, and as they introduce the teams to say, hey, here's all the teams that have competed today. The song that they played was why I am. And as soon as it starts, I could see her all the way across the venue. And she looks at me. She's like, oh, my God, I know this song. This is why I am. This is Dave Matthews band. And I'm like, oh, my God, is this what I've come to in life? Is that they play random DMB songs at places where my kids are. And they're like, oh, I love this song. This is great. So, yes, if you don't have kids or your kids are very little, it's coming. Did you, it's going to get to that point. Did you ever have to tell your kids not to drink, don't drink the water when they were taking a bath? <laughs> no. Thankfully, I have not held them, had to tell them that. Well, maybe once when they were like two. Like, please. But I don't think it was that. I was like, Will you, are you your mind? Have Stop you, that. Have you ever told your kids this DMB song? Thank you. The cover. But... For letting me yeah. be myself. Be myself. I, I have said to my children many times, you, 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 <laughs> you, you, you. All right, we got we got one more question, and then we're gonna we're gonna say goodnight. But uh, Phil uh, Gerhardt uh, asks, "Ants, uh, sorry if you discussed this in a previous podcast, and I don't think we have. But what's the difference between live tracks and DB Live? I actually think that's a great question. Thank you, Phil. It, it actually is a great question, and the difference is, and we've we've kind of touched on it times, so but we never get tired of talking about it. Uh, a a live tracks is a multi-track recording. So every single instrument, everything that's played gets its own microphone. So every single drum that Carter hits gets its own microphone. Everything, Dave's voice, all the instruments, everything gets its own microphone. And they have the ability to kind of adjust those to make the volume sound perfect. And by perfect, I mean perfect for a release as opposed to filling into a venue. Because the guy who does that for a living, Jeff uh, Bagby Thomas, is fantastic at filling the venue and making the sound work perfectly. But on a release that you listen to on your iPhone or on, you know, whatever you listen to sounds different. So there's a different mixing process that goes into it. 
a lot a DMB live is only two tracks. That is Dave's voice on one channel, the entire band on the other. So basically the only adjustment that can be made is Dave's voice can be lower or, or higher and the band can be the same lower or higher. So that's the difference. The quality is a little different back in the day. Uh, in the in the early days, there's some great DMB live releases that just sound fantastic. I mean, there's there's so many that are so good. I, I think I think it's credit to the band and credit to management to allow DMB live. Well, not to allow DMB live, but to allow the continued um, availability of pre 1996 soundboards. Absolutely. Because because quite honestly, a DMB live from 1994. And a taper soundboard from 1994 probably aren't going to sound a hell of a lot different. No, not really. Um, there's some subtle differences, especially the last release, which was the uh, the 22294. That's I, I think that's the DMB Live like 27 or whatever it was. But the one from Tracks is there's some squeaks on the um, taper version that are not on the. Um, soundboard feed so there's little things like that that you could sure they 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 certainly edit and master and the tape versions don't typically edit much right they they, they'll they'll edit all yeah tape tape speed like if they have an analog transfer that was spun too fast they'll slow it down things like that but they won't actually edit the contents where a release will actually go in and and try to take out imperfections which is which is great and it's fine and that's why i think the dmb live releases are worth it especially if you want to grab the flax um, and, but and, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to cut no, you off good. there. But but the 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 um, strength to me of the uh, DMB Live releases is 1995, because 1995 is when the band first said you can no longer record soundboard. So everything in 1995, from a fan standpoint, is just basically somebody holding a microphone up and recording the show. But Way back in '95, that was really the infancy of recording. So back then, tapers just used to show up with like a DAT deck and plug into Bagby's board. Well, if you showed up and you didn't know any better, I mean, you know, like the internet was in its infancy. You would just show up with a DAT deck and like, I'm sorry, you can't plug it in. Okay, what am I supposed to do? We'll just kind of record the show away. So all you hear is everybody just cackling away. I mean, it sounds like the background you hear with all the birds behind me right doesn't, now. Doesn't that seem incredible to you, though? Like, think about it nowadays. Is there any band out there that's letting you plug into the soundboard? That's a good question, and I actually don't know the answer to that. And, and, but and how many how many spots were there in the soundboard? Well, what they used to do back in the day was the daisy you would chain. Daisy, yeah, exactly. You would daisy chain. So you would have one master, and then you would daisy chain off it. And way, way back in the day, I'm talking back in like 94, 95 is tapers would write where they were on the daisy chain. So they would say they were three back or something like that, because the way analog worked, this is way inside baseball for everybody, but analog actually does not make a perfect copy. That's the beauty of digital. Digital is a perfect copy of whatever's heard. Analog actually goes back a generation and then this next one goes back another generation, another generation. So if you're recording an actual cassette tape and you're five back in the chain. ASBD. Oh, yeah. Your, your audio sounds horrible because it's, it's just a copy of a copy of a copy. Um, and it, 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 I mean, there's so much hiss in it. It just sounds terrible. But the digital, 
the digital is kind of what saved all that. But this is back in 94, you have to remember, 94, 95. Digital was hard to find. It wasn't like on the shelf like it is today. You, you had to spend a lot of money. I'm talking $300, $400 back oh, yeah. in the 90s. So that's a, that's a lot of money to record some band that you barely know. So just, I mean, again, hats off to the people that recorded way back in the day. Mark Lynn is one guy that uh, we've mentioned before in, in past podcasts. He was recording the band digitally back in 1992. He was yep. so far ahead of the curve. I mean, the Mark saw the light way beyond anybody else. No, a great point. It's it's like how, how you go back and you look and the amount of shows that are available to download on ants um, for certain uh, uh, in this band's infancy before they were even remotely generally popular. How fortunate it, are we, right? It's 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 unbelievable. It's it's an absolute gift from the tapers way back in the day. These kids, I mean we're talking about you know, kids at, at UVA that were just, you know, just plopping through college, minding their own business, that did not even realize that they were recording something that was going to last forever. It's yeah. an, it's it's incredible. It's it's an absolute gift. So thank you again to everybody, anybody who's ever taped the show, even if it's just a tiny little video clip, you th- and you think it's nothing. You know what? Just save it. Hold on to it. There's a guy online. Um, he goes by the name of Chester Copperpot. He just takes everything. He puts it all together. He does just such a fantastic job of putting everything. There's a couple of other guys. New York Crispy's another one. But he just takes everything, edits together, and just save it. Hold on to it. You don't think it's anything, but it is. It's valuable. So thank you to everybody. Yes, thank you. And I think I hear some crickets in the background. So is that a is that a is that a sign to wrap it up? It that is. is a pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good point. Yeah. Why don't you close this out, Matt? All right. Well, you guys got anything else to uh, comment on? I'm I'm pretty satiated right now. <laughs> of course, you had to work that into the podcast. Oof! I did it. I did it. Cheers to that. I'm waiting for my I'm waiting for my power to come back on. I'm I'm pretty salty right now. Do I think you've gone too far? You did it. Ooh. See, Here's the see problem. what I did there. The problem here is in the morning, and you never know when powers when your power goes out. You can hope for 40 minutes. It could be eight hours. The problem is I got one of these finagled, fancy uh, on-demand water heaters. Yeah, all green and whatnot. Yeah, uh, the power goes out. You don't have a hot shower. There's no reserve tank. Uh, so that's what I'm worried about right now. So I might need to I might need to like bail out of here and go find a a place to to saddle up and drink more beer. You know, my fridge is off. Oh yeah, you can't open it. You need to, you need to live in a, a more <laughs> industrialized place of the of the world, like you know, I, I Honduras. Do. <laughs> I, I, I do. I, I have to leave uh, Cialico or whatever we wherever I am right now. So, yeah. So I, I think that's good. A good a good a good place to wrap it up. Um, thank you all for your listener questions. It's awesome. Absolutely. Hashtag Dodo. We will put out the signal when it's time to bombard the band with that hashtag. Uh, we are what Joe under two months till the uh, the first show of the tour. Under two months. Awesome. I uh, I just recently booked my travel to Alpine Valley. In the books, so it's going to happen. Matt is going to pop his alpine cherry. I cannot wait. I'm very excited about that. So um, that'll be my first time out there. I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, Yeah. So until next week, it'll be 63, too short of Jake's birthday, and uh, we'll we'll, we'll be getting there. Hopefully, with more power this time, more uh, more AC, more DC, and all that kind of stuff. So um, again, thanks for listening, everybody. On behalf of Jake and Joe, I'm Matt. 
Thanks for listening to the Ants Podcast, and we will see you soon. Take care, y'all. Thanks for listening to the AntsMarching.org podcast. Visit AntsMarching.org and be part of the largest DMB community on the Internet. Show downloads, tour central, personal show stats and set list game, and so much more. AntsMarching.org, the best stop for all things DMB. Yeah, yeah, yeah.